We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Buttonheads Podcast. That sounds weird saying it out loud. I'm Steve Ribeiro. I'm with Johnny Gomez. How's it going, man? Been going pretty good. How you doing? I'm doing good. This is our, our first show that all of our subscribers have already gotten on the Rams Talk feed, which, of course, you can find on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, Player FM, and IE Beat Radio. That airs Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern for all the East Coasters like me. Uh, of course, give us a five-star review on iTunes if you can. If you don't like this show, do it for the other show. Hopefully, you're doing it for both of us. Also, an announcement that I'll let Johnny take is that the Rams Talk team will be at Rams Fest this Saturday. Johnny will be there. Johnny, what do you think? I don't know how many of our listeners have been to Rams Fest. But if you haven't been to a Rams Fest, this is one to go to. This is going to be an exciting Rams Fest, fresh off of a really, really good season last season, looking to have another good season. It's the fourth annual Rams Fest. 
you know, it's happening this Saturday, July 7th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. That specific time in Chino and particularly in Prado Park. Uh, if you have gone, go again. Trust me, it's not one you want to miss. If you haven't gone, now's the time to go. This is really, really cool. The, Sa- the SoCal Bo- uh, Rams Booster Club uh, always throws it uh, a good a good event. Just join the Ramley, guys. It's all, it's all good. There's going to be legendary Rams players. Me particularly, who I'm looking forward to is, of course, Rosie Greer. Yeah. I, I'm really hoping we, me and uh, Derek, Derek will also be there. I'm hoping we have an opportunity to interview him or at least schedule an interview with this guy. Rosie Greer would be awesome for the show. And I know our listeners would love to hear him as well. Maybe even uh, Samson and Bookham as well. All kinds of other legendary players like Harold Jackson, whole much more. So if you guys are in the area or if you ain't got nothing to do on Saturday, Come on down, guys. Join us. Join the Ramley. Totally, man. Yeah, I, I wish I could be there maybe next year, but I know Derek and I believe Norm and you, of course, will be there podcasting, hopefully with a couple of the legends. So that'll definitely be interested. Of course, you're in the area. Hit Rams Fest on Saturday. Uh, hit us up on Twitter if you need more info. I'm sure we could send you in the right direction. So we got a pretty good first episode of our show. We're going to be talk, We're going to be breaking down the Rams schedule during the month of July, a little in-depth. This week we'll do the first four weeks. We will talk about Jamone Brown's suspension and how that will affect the first two games. But first, I have an interview that I did with Rams undrafted free agent Cody McElroy. When you guys hear this guy's path to the NFL, uh, I found out about this guy when I was doing research for a podcast I did with Derek where he talked about the undrafted free agents and who stood out and this guy's story is wild, and it's very interesting, so definitely tune into that. That'll be coming up next, but first, we're going to give a shout-out to one of our sponsors. Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the history of the Rams, with a bit of a personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood's Team, Glit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman with the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out the story of a father and son and the father's role on the team that he played for in an era of glitch, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about the stars like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in a story spanning the 1950s. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter, at Hollywood Steam. It's available in both hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can also find Hollywood Steam through various other booksellers on the internet, including his website. Guys, this book's worth every penny for all the Rams fans out there, but it's also a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Trust me, guys, you're not going to want to miss this book, Hollywood Steam, Grit, Grammar, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. All right, here is my interview with Cody McElroy. <laughs> All right, I'm here with Rams tight end Cody McElroy, a rookie coming in this season. Cody, thanks for going, coming on, man, and congrats on joining the team. Hey, thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I had a lot of fun so far being out there for about six weeks with the guys, and everything's going good. And it's a dream come true. Totally, man. So, you, for those of you who don't know Cody, he's had a pretty wild path here to the NFL, so we're going to try and break down everything so you went undrafted in this year's nfl draft but you've been drafted before you were drafted by the braves in 2014 after playing baseball for a couple years at a couple different schools so why don't you take us through your baseball career and how it felt to 
kind of accomplish your dream of getting drafted? All right, so the, the baseball thing, you know, growing up, that was kind of always my passion. That's kind of always what I knew I was going to do. I, I'd always envisioned myself going to college and playing college baseball and getting drafted and playing professional baseball. And So coming out of high school, um, I was talking with scouts and stuff and, and decided that college was the right route for me. I went to a junior college um, so I could play there for a year and maybe sign after that first year. Um, when I was at that junior college, I decided that uh, the, division, the Division one thing was what I wanted to do. Um, so I was lucky enough to get recruited by a bunch of schools out of that junior college. Um, ended up signing with the University of Texas. Went there, played for a year. Kind of lost my love for the game. So situ- great coaches, great teammates. You know, the, the, there was nothing negative to say. I just kind of fell in love with the game. And so I wanted to come back home. Um, so I, I came back my junior year. I went back to Cameron University, which is down kind of where I'm from. Decided to play baseball there. Had a good spring. Was fortunate enough to be drafted by the Atlanta Braves. Um, and so, you know, that, that that was another dream come true that, you know, I couldn't turn down. So I went, I signed, I went and played. Played my first season uh, in rookie ball, Danville, Virginia. Midway through the season, I got called up to Class A ball in Rome, Georgia, um, and finished the first year there. Come back the next year. Kind of had it on my heart that I wanted to play basketball. Um, during that offseason, I went and watched a bunch of uh, OSU basketball games and stuff like that and thought, man, that's, that's really what I want to do. I'm going to give spring training a go. If that passion doesn't come back for baseball, I'm going to go ahead and try to go chase a basketball dream. So I came back for spring training, had a good spring training, went back to Rome, started off the year really good, uh, but knew I just that's not where I wanted to be. And at that point, I kind of got into a slump, and so I, I didn't want to leave while I was in a slump. So I waited until I started hitting, hitting again, and that's when I decided to walk away from the game and go to Oklahoma State and play basketball. Yeah, you definitely got to go out on top. I like that. Yeah. So yeah, so that's a pretty drastic change from going. You got some pro experience. You played ball. Then you you went to Oklahoma State. I saw you were pretty good in high school too at basketball. Were you were you getting any looks to play basketball in high school to play college? Yes. So. Yeah, in high school, I was a pretty good player. Um, I had the size. You know, I'm a six six, six seven guy, so I always had kind of the basketball frame. And I'd started getting some looks my junior and senior year, but I was focused on baseball. You know, I never really gave college basketball the time of day when I was in high school. I always just thought to myself, I'm a baseball player. That's what I'm going to do. So when we'd get calls or things like that, we'd just kind of dismiss it. Hey, you know, we appreciate the call and everything, but, you know, Cody's going to go play baseball. So, I didn't give it too much thought, but the second I got to my junior college, I was wishing, man, I wish I was playing both. Like, I love basketball. I've always loved basketball. Basketball's always been my favorite sport. I wish that I could still be playing both. And so all through college, uh, the first time around, it was kind of in my, in my back of my mind, I wish I was playing. And so I was just very fortunate and lucky that I got the chance to be able to go back and play, you know, in the Big 12, Division One at that level, and just really enjoyed that year. Yeah, that's, I mean, you walked on to Oklahoma State. I mean, that's, that is not an easy thing to do. Do you have any doubts when you got there that, you, you know, it might not even work out, or did you just kind of just go for it? Right, so I didn't know. And, and I knew I could go back to Cameron. Um, that's where I got drafted for baseball. It was a Division II school. I knew I could go back there and play. And so I knew I was going to be able to play college basketball. But I wanted to play in the Big 12. I wasn't trying to go to the NBA. I wanted the experience. I wanted to play in the Big 12. I wanted to play people like Kansas and Texas and OU. Um, and so I went to the gym at Oklahoma State and just kind of walked around until I found somebody that could get me in front of some coaches. And, you know, I met the compliance guy. And he got me in front of the coaches, had a meeting, had a tryout. And I hadn't played that good in my entire life what I did in the tryout. I came out, I'm knocking down threes, I'm getting breakaway dunks, and I'm like, wow, like this is this is easier than I thought it was. But anyways, had a good tryout, and so that got me on the team. You know, right there on the spot, he said, yep, you're on the team. We got workouts Monday morning. This was on a Friday. He said, Monday morning at 6 a.m., we have weights. Um, and then that's when it all hit me that maybe this wasn't as easy as it seemed like it was during that tryout. So 
it was a lot of fun though. The, the team was great. The players were great. The coaches were great. I mean, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. What was your favorite moment playing for the Cowboys? Oh, uh, we beat Kansas at home, um, which you know, Kansas is a. I mean, that's as good as it gets in basketball. And yeah, we kind of have. We don't. I wouldn't say it's a rivalry, but you know, we've knocked them off in Stillwater several times, and so they they come ready to play, and our fans are always there ready to play at Oklahoma State when we play Kansas, and so. We beat them on national television, stormed the court. The student section was all out there, you know. So that, you know, you see that on TV growing up and everything. But to be a part of that and be on the court playing and upsetting a team like Kansas and, and your fans running on and jumping around, you know, it was, it was a very special moment. Yeah, I can imagine. That was probably sweet. So you wrapped up at Oklahoma State. You coached baseball for a little bit again, right? So if I got this right, you went to southeastern Oklahoma State for school and then you just decided – I'm going to give this football thing a try. So I got done with Oklahoma State, graduated from there in the summer of 2016, um, and I started coaching baseball. You know, again, I always thought I was going to coach baseball, um, and I enjoyed it. But I, I was at Wichita State. I was working with the hitters and the infielders, and I realized that that travel for recruiting, the travel for games, you know, that that was something that at this point in my life I wasn't ready for. I wanted to be a little more stable, work from, you know, based out of a, a location, work there year-round, get the weekends off, things like that, just more of a normal job. So – I went to Southeastern. I'm enrolled there in the fall about two weeks late. So they had to pull some string. They were really good to me, get me in. And I was just going to finish out my school, get a safety degree, and be a safety engineer in the oil field. I was so bored there, always been around sports, never had any free time in my life. And so I thought, hey, I got one semester left of eligibility. I've never played football in my life. You know, why not go try it? And that was that was the week of the first game. That was Sunday, and our first game was Thursday. So the coach, you know, he had me run some routes. He said he thought he could use me. And four days later, I was in full pass for the first time playing football. So it was fun. It was it was quick. It was a whirlwind. I didn't have much time to think or talk myself out of it. I just did it, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's wild, dude. So when you kind of stepped down to the field there, like, what were your honest expectations? Like, did you even expect to – get playing time for not even playing for so long? So going into it, you know, I, I kind of told myself, you know, if, if, if I can score a touchdown, it'll make it all worth it. Like, if, if I can just score a touchdown, it, it, you know, it's only 12 weeks. Vision 2 season is short. I didn't, I missed all the camps, so I'm just getting here for 12 weeks. It's kind of like intramurals, you know, playing on Saturdays. I mean, I took it serious. I thought I could be good because I knew I had the size, the strength, the athleticism, always had good ball skills, and, and I knew I was an aggressive physical person. And so I thought I could have some, some success. But it wasn't a deal where I was trying to go there and make it to the NFL. You know, it was just second week I scored that touchdown. Um, the fourth week I had a really good game. So I kind of got some momentum going. Some people started hearing about me. And that's kind of this this spring is kind of when it all took off. And I kind of realized, hey, I'm really going to have a chance at the NFL. So you said this spring, like even during the moment or during the season, was there a moment where you were just like, damn, like I'm pretty good at this? So the, uh, the, the second week um, we were on like the – 12 yard line or so and uh, we ran this play where it was a slot fade I just kind of went to the corner of the end zone the quarterback threw it up high I had a DB on me and he was a pretty good DB um, throughout the conference you know for our conference and everything you know we'd going into the game we said you know this is kind of their guy he's a good player you know stuff like that just game plan and so I knew he was a good player and the quarterback threw it up and I kind of went up and high pointed the ball pulling it away from him landed with my feet inbounds and at the time, you know, my teammates were jumping on me. I was like, I scored my first touchdown. Like, this is awesome. I didn't think about it. When I got to watch it on film that next day when we were going over film, I was like, wow, that, that was a pretty good play. You know, I think if I can get consistent with these types of things, maybe I do have a chance at this. So I would say that second week was kind of when it dawned on me, hey, I got some attributes that, you know, it's tough to teach, and maybe I could do something with this. 
Yeah, I can imagine that felt pretty good. So you said in other interviews that you had a few offers from other teams, but the Rams were the ones that ultimately stood out, and that's where you designed. What what kind of was the reason that you, you chose the Rams? I felt they really believed in me. Um, from the from the beginning, they really believed in me. Coach McVay, obviously their offense and their quarterback, I mean, they got a lot of really good things going for them right now. And it was a situation where I think that they believe in me enough that they know I'm going to be a little raw and there's going to be things I can learn, but they believe in me enough to come in and give me a chance and, and teach me the game um, from a foundation standpoint so that, you know, maybe in a couple years I can turn into that player, you know, a, re- a really good player. And I just feel like in their offense with, with the players they have there and the coaches they have there, that's my best chance to really become a player. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier to me that you just got back from six weeks at camp. So what was it like going from – you know, practicing games at Southeastern Oklahoma State to mini camp in Los Angeles with the Rams. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, and, and they say mini camp, and, 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 you know, there's no pads, and so you think it's going to be laid back. And it was, you know, the coaches were really good about keeping us fresh, not overworking us. You know, the weather's perfect out there. So you're not just, you know, it's like in Houston or something. I can't imagine how hot that'd be, but the weather out there is great. So it wasn't from a physical standpoint, you know, it wasn't too much. I think training camp will definitely be different, but the, the, the OTAs and the mini camp wasn't too bad, but just the amount of information that you have to learn, you know, from the offense, you know, and at tight end, you got to know receivers, you got to know what the backs are doing, you got to know what the offensive line are doing. Um, and so just learning that verbiage and all the different things that come with the game that never being around it, I just didn't know about, you know, I, I didn't know what the three, what the three technique was. I didn't know what the wide nine meant. I didn't know any of that stuff. So learning all that I think has been, kind of the biggest shock is coming pretty quickly to me and I'm picking things up and I feel pretty good about it. But I think that was the biggest shock. I had no idea there was this much information involved. Yeah. I can see that. Cause after one, you play one semester of football, right? right. Now you're in the NFL. Yeah. Like that is, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So obviously training camps coming up in August, I guess, what are you looking forward to the most? You know, I'm ready to get the pads on and go out there. Because, you know, anybody can look good in shorts and a T-shirt. Anybody, you know, before it gets physical, anybody can, can really look like a good player. I think when those pads come on, it changes everything. And it, it did at the Division two school I was at, so I can imagine it's only another level here um, in the NFL. So I'm ready to get the pads on and get out there and do some one-on-ones and, you know, go try to make some plays all camp, and hopefully they can see some things they like in me. Yeah, yeah, I hope so as well. So kind of just a a little more random question here, and I'm sure this will probably change in August when preseason comes, but who would you say is the best athlete that either you've played with or that you've played against? So the best sports player I have ever played with is Alzino Albies. He's the second baseman for the Braves now. He is um, he's like five foot six, 140 pounds. He's leading the big leagues in extra base hits. He hits bombs from both sides of the plate. He throws 90 across the infield. He was 16 years old when I started playing with him. I was 20 or 21, whatever it was. And he was 16 playing a full season. And from that, we knew at that point, the day he got, he was like, this guy's different. He's special and he can do things that other people just can't do. So I think he was the best player I've ever been around. Now, as far as most athletic goes, I I don't know. That's tough, you know. Todd Gurley's pretty impressive just to watch him on an everyday basis. And, and Dominican Sue's there. He's pretty impressive. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to see Aaron Donald. You know, they posted that video, and he was mentioned 500 pounds the other day. So I think those three guys are kind of kind of in, in a league of their own. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to seeing Aaron Donald as well. Right. Uh, hopefully that, that gets settled soon. You know, you've played a lot of sports over a lot of years. What would you say is, we already talked about the Kansas game, but what's another game or even that one was the best game that you've really ever been a part of? Okay, so the, obviously the OU and OSU basketball games were crazy. You know, they were a ton of fun. 
um, when I was at the University of Texas playing baseball, we went to Stanford and uh, played there. And, and, and every single year, Stanford and Texas play each other in baseball, home and home, every single year. So it's kind of turned into a rivalry. Um, and their their fans were crazy. They were really good that year. They had the number one overall pick, Mark Appel. He threw against us on that Friday night. And, I mean, that was a crazy environment. That, that, was, that was a lot of fun. So I'd say the Kansas, Kansas and OU basketball games and that Stanford series were probably the three biggest, craziest things I've been around. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. All right, well, you've definitely had uh, quite an interesting uh, career so far, and hopefully we get to see this through with the Rams because you definitely seem like a prospect with a lot of room to grow. Yeah, yeah, I, I hope so. You know, that's where I want to be. And, and like I said, you know, the, the sky's the limit for this team, I think. And, and moving forward, I think they're in great hands with young coaching staff, extremely smart coaching staff. And, and the players, the stars on the team are all young stars. I think they can be around for a long time. So it's a good time to be a Rams fan, and, and hopefully I can stick around for a while. We obviously know a lot about Sean McVay, but there's some new coaches on the offense. Uh, how how did it go with all the new guys that are in there with the new offensive coordinator and everything? Right, so they're unbelievably smart. My sister's a doctor, brother-in-law's a doctor. You know, I've been around some people that do some engineering stuff in the oil field, and I say this all the time. McVay's the smartest person I've ever been around when it comes to football. So he's smarter about football than anybody I've ever met is smarter about their craft. It's unbelievable the way he sees the game, every single aspect of the game, both sides of the ball, every position. He doesn't miss a single detail. And, and he, he talks about it just so fluently. Um, so all the other coaches, you know, are the same way. They're all extremely smart. And, and I think that makes a huge difference because at this level, everybody's athletic and good. So you can't really rely on that just raw talent. you got to do something to separate yourself. Obviously, New England's been doing it for a long time, and you can see the success they've had. And I think that the, you know, Coach McVay, his, he's got as good of a head for football, good of a mind for football as anybody in the game. And so I think the coordinators, everybody around, have kind of fed off that, and they're smart people as well. And so I think, you know, like, again, the future, I think, is really bright. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And i uh, hoping you're with us through it. Uh, before I let you go, where, where can the fans follow you? Uh, so Cody Mac 580 on um instagram uh and then it's right now it's cody mac 24 on twitter but i'm trying to get that changed to cody mac 580 on there too so give me a follow i follow back you know i'm trying trying to get some more la people on there so you know help me out absolutely we we got a nice wide uh rams fan base so i'm sure they'll flock over to you all right man i'll, I'll yeah, let you well, go awesome. well, i appreciate you having me yeah on. no problem man it was great to have you on thanks man all right, once again, we'd like to thank Cody for coming on the show. That was an awesome interview. You can follow him on Twitter at CodyMac24. And if you cannot find him, he has an E in his name. So it's C-O-D-E-Y Mac24. As far as my expectations for Cody, uh, he's a guy that I would love to see him have a fantastic camp and make the team. But he has only played one year of football. So I personally, if... You know, unless he shows something crazy, I expect him to be a practice squad target and a practice squad guy that I would love to see because the fact that this dude played one year of football and he's on the Rams means that there is a lot of potential there and at the D2 level nonetheless. So it's not like this guy was out there for one season with Alabama, killing the SEC. One year in D2, this guy's on the Rams. It's wild, and he's a guy who I would love to see make the team, but... If that's not in the cards for a win-now team, he's the ideal practice squad candidate, in my opinion, and a guy that he mentioned on the show that Sean McVay believed in him a lot, and I think I would love to see this guy kind of get developed in the system, maybe sit on the practice squad for a year, and then be on the team. 
But we'll see what happens. He'll definitely be a guy that we'll all be watching in camp. All right, before we get to the upcoming schedule, let's give a quick shout-out to another one of our sponsors, the original sponsor, the Golden Ramp Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and like the old school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ramp Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California, 92683. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine of the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis. He kept the lights on since they came back. He still has the lights on. He's appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows who sent you. He knows someone's coming in that's getting ready to discuss football with him. And he's going to give you a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to a shop is worth it, not only for the memorabilia, but Sal is also a very personal, old-school barber. You're going to talk football with him. You're going to talk about everything with him. So trust me, guys, you won't regret it. Johnny's been there. He made Johnny look good, ain't that right? It's not easy to do, but he managed. (laughs) And, of course, we are looking for sponsors for the 2018 NFL season. It's a great, inexpensive way to get word about, about your business, whether you're on L.A., whether you're remote, whatever. It's a great opportunity and affordable. Our numbers are growing fast, so this is the time you're going to want to get in, and it'll save you some money. Reach out at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We'll send the media kit out to you when you're ready. So, news this week, Jamone Brown was suspended for the first two games of the season. So, Johnny, I guess, what's your initial reaction to this? Not a good time. No. You know, (laughs) You, you obviously don't want to miss one of your starters from the offensive line, especially one of your perennial starters. Brown has been a solid uh, a solid starter for quite a few years now. And now to lose him at the starting point of the season when you're trying to get a rhythm going, not, not a good sign. But this is where it gets a little dicey for me. For me, is you don't realize how kind of thin you are at offensive line until you realize, well, what happens next? You know, now that he's out for two games, what happens? Yeah, and the so we drafted two offensive linemen, and when you initially think about it, it's like, oh, we got some rookies. We'll give them some reps. Well, Brian Allen's a center, and Joseph Nopum's a tackle. Neither of those guys are guards. Now, we're talking about two games at the highest level on a win-now team stepping into a position you don't play. That's not exactly ideal for young guys that you drafted. You drafted them to eventually replace Whitworth and Sullivan, most likely those are the the oldest guys in the line. So I'm not sure if those are guys I want to just throw into the woodwork at guard and let that just – because if they play bad, that could stunt their growth. And I think this is something that even though we're going to have Jamone Brown in the preseason, this is something that needs to be addressed in the preseason. I want to see some, you know, whether it's the backup guards, Jake Elgin Camp or Austin Blythe or uh, whoever we got there, whether you're throwing those guys in with the first team a little bit in place of Brown, whether you're testing out Boom or Allen, seeing what they do, uh, even if you're testing out playing Havenstein at tackle and maybe putting – or playing having signing guard and putting no boom at tackles for two games. I think it's just something that 
I'd rather see them play with rather than just throw a guy out there that we don't know if he's ready. We don't want anyone's growth to be stunted. I mean, I don't know. How do you think they should just approach putting in a guy for Jamal Brown? I think it's kind of like how you mentioned. You mentioned a lot about the preseason, and that's that's going to be the trial run. You, you gotta you gotta figure that preseason. That's what it's all about, anyway. Is making sure that the guys can make the cut for the team, and who knows? Maybe we could even find you know someone as a replacement starter. It's not unheard of. I don't know if you want to find a replacement for Brown per se, but you know maybe it's time for guys like uh, Austin Blythe to step up and become a starter. You just have to really evaluate the film and see if that's even feasible. But I wouldn't oppose uh, the other idea you presented as well. Maybe moving Havenstein over to guard for just two games and then seeing what Noteboom does at right tackle. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that at all. Either way, I think we'll be okay, but it is still somewhat of a concern because you, you ideally want to go into the start of the regular season as you know your your strong your your strongest men up front, especially when you want to see the continuous progression of Gurley and Goff. Yeah, and because it comes on the weaker side of the offensive line, it's not like I haven't seen as a great. Not great. He's a very solid player. Whitworth is a guy who I, you know, if it was the other way around and it was the guard on Whitworth's side, I feel a little better. But it's it's going to be a weaker side of the offensive line for sure for the first two weeks. And we'll talk about the schedule and you know, seeing as it's only two games, it's not the end of the world. But I think, like you mentioned, and as I mentioned, moving Havenstein to guard, I would just rather see Havenstein fail at guard than no boom fail at guard because. He's going to be fine. They're going to move him back to tackle, and you know it's not the end of the world. With no boom, I don't want to see that guy go out there at guard and just get hammered. You know, if he goes out there at tackle and gets hammered, it'll either be a learning experience or it'll be a notice that maybe he's not cut for this. I I don't think that would happen, but I just feel better about trying that out. But I think this kind of segues into our next topic which is on this podcast for the next four weeks we are going to break down the schedule team by team week game by game this week we're going to be the first four weeks and we're going to start out with the last game of week one and that is a monday night showdown at oakland oakland was six and ten last season obviously the personnel has changed a bit the coaching has changed drastically the location of this team is going to change soon but johnny does this kind of feel like like a pseudo battle for LA to you? The way when I think of Battle of LA, I don't think the Rams versus the Chargers. It's just not something I think of. But yeah, I mean, without a doubt, to me though, the real battle for LA will always be the Rams versus the Raiders. Technically speaking, the Raiders may not be in LA, but I, I would say that the majority of fans that aren't Rams fans in LA are not Charger fans. They're they're the Raider fans. I'm not there, but from my perspective, from everyone that is there, it definitely sounds like that. We knew when we moved back that the Raiders were going to be the real team that we were going to be competing with for fans. Um, but yeah, so this is definitely an important game. Obviously, it's the opener. We got big expectations. The Raiders kind of got big expectations too. Even though they went 6-10 and 10 last year, they were in the playoffs before that. So last year was a disappointment. They got John Gruden out of the booth and onto the sideline for the first time in nine years. So personally, 
with Gruden, while if if the Rams hired him, then they ended up hiring McVay, I definitely would have been excited at the time. But I've said it before that you take away that team that he inherited with Tampa Bay that he took to the Super Bowl, and he hadn't done much. He didn't develop a quarterback there. His quarterbacks were Brad Johnson, who was a journeyman who really wasn't that great when he was there. Then he got Chris Sims, who he did not develop at all. I am i don't remember if Freeman was there or not when he left, but it's interesting because while he's a guy that's perceived of being a great coach, I think the reality is he might just be a good coach, which is fine for the Raiders, but they're paying him $10 million a year for the next 10 years. So I, what are your expectations for John Gruden? As a Raider fan perspective, you have to be stoked because, let's face it, the past coaching staff has been less than ideal. But I'm kind of with you in the sense that Gruden is a good quarterback. I mean, oh, Gruden is a good coach, rather, not not a great coach. I don't. I, I'm kind of with you in the fact that I don't think he has really developed anyone. I think Carr is already kind of a solid player, so I think in that regard he's kind of lucky because I, I don't know if Carr is completely developed but he's as close as you can possibly get I think as long as Carr stays healthy and that's kind of the major concern can Carr stay healthy I think if he can stay healthy that the Raiders will be doing okay I don't look at their record their 6-10 and 10 record as an indicator for the upcoming season I think they're much better than what their record indicated last season. So I, I will say that the Raiders will be a team to watch. Will they be a playoff team? That's kind of debatable. I personally do not think so at the moment. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think pushing for the playoffs with them would be a step up, and I, I think fans would be okay with it. Obviously, yeah, you got to be stoked about Gruden. Uh, he's a winner. He's a guy that he's going to bring energy to the team at the very least. You mentioned Carr's already good. And I, while that is good for Gruden, I think we got to see if he's the guy that can get Carr to the next level. And that'll definitely be something to watch out for with him. And you know, the Raiders are going to be a team to watch this season just to see Gruden in general. But there's some other stuff going on there too. So I came up with an index that I'm going to call the Are We Worried About This Index where I ranked every game from 1 to 16 of how worried I am for the Rams. Now, the Raiders game came in at 8, and it might have been lower if this wasn't the opening game because I, I I don't think the Rams team should be that worried about the Raiders. I think we're, we outmatch them pretty well. Uh, while they do have Khalil Mack, I'm not frightened by their defense, and with Jamon Brown out, that's something that will be a worry. But at 8, right in the middle, it feels about right. They're going to be a team that has high expectations coming out with John Gruden, but nothing scary are you worried about this at all yes and no i'm kind of with you in that regard i do think the raiders are going to pose a bigger threat than i think you might are thinking of but in in the regard of whether we should be concerned or not um yeah i do think we should be concerned a little bit because my basic concern in this is I think the Rams need to come out of the gates right away, starting winning football games. And I think an early loss is really going to hurt them because in the end, that's going to set the tempo for the season. 
And while, yeah, that's still plenty of time to uh, recover and recuperate, you, you got to understand, too, that if things don't go the way that the players hope for, you're going to start getting rebellion. And that's when you get guys like the guys we've signed so far that have egos that might start acting up. Uh, it's a lot to really to really kind of uh, pinpoint at this moment because it's still it's not even, you know, preseason yet. But at the same time, you, you really do have to consider everything here. And a slow start to the season may not be an option for a team that's trying to get not just to the playoffs, but at least advance themselves to the playoffs and maybe even a Super Bowl run. Fingers crossed. Definitely. Yeah. And that's why I think this team with the expectations, they're going to come out hot. I am a little worried. And I think that if I ranked the teams we're playing, I don't think the Raiders would be middle of the pack, but that's kind of why I settled on this game as middle of the pack. And it's going to be a hot crowd. And I think it's going to be a lot of pressure for the Rams, but we'll see what happens. We're also going to touch on players of interest for each team. Now the Raiders. So this, these are my players of interest and Johnny, if you have anyone different, feel free to say, for the Raiders, there was kind of three guys that they added in their offense, and that's Jordy Nelson, Martavis Bryant, and Doug Martin. Now, this is kind of like an island of misfit offensive weapons, and I think Doug Martin is the most interesting because this is a guy who led the NFL in rushing not very long ago, and he's coming into a situation where Marshawn Lynch is the starter, and he's wasn't great last year. He's old. Uh, he's just happy to be back. He's having a good time. He's not, if this is a job that's open and I don't think Lynch is going to be devastated if he is sharing carries. And so I think Martin is the guy I'm going to watch because I think this is the year we find out if he's good or not. And I think there's a chance he's just not in that, that early, maybe the injury has messed him up and he'll never be the same player, but he's a guy that I'm watching for. And I think from a fantasy football perspective with Martin, I think he's a guy that if he's there later in the draft, that's a guy to take a flyer on because I think he could win the job. Uh, you had any thoughts on Martin or anyone that interests you on the Raiders? Martin is for surely a concern. And the reason being is because I do believe if not a preseason at some point during the regular season, I do think that Martin is going to overthrow Lynch. I do. And the reason being is because we're not talking about a Marshawn Lynch in his prime. We're talking a guy, about a guy that just really didn't do much last year. And neither did Doug Martin, for that matter. But he's back, he's healthy, and he's, he's ready to go. I think he is hungry to get back on the field, regain supremacy that he had. And when you have hungry players like that, that can be very, very dangerous. And especially when you're coming against the defensive line is really solid you still have an uncertainty at linebacker you know we have all the confidence in the world and some of our rookies and uh, some of the veterans that are going to be starting like Littleton but in the end still they're not proven quite yet so when you get a guy a hungry guy like Doug Martin that is cause for concern but in my opinion the player of interest isn't necessarily Martin it's a guy that you already mentioned and that's Khalil Mack and Basically, for the same mention that you pointed out earlier, Jamon Brown being out for the first two games of the season, you know, the, you you got a you got another guy that can be arguably a top five defensive player in the NFL going up against a, a short lined offensive line. So, in the end, that to me is the biggest concern. The guy to watch out for, 
especially if he rattles uh, Goff right away. If he rattles Goff, it's going to be a very long game. And then you're going to be in the Oakland Coliseum as well. So that's not going (laughs) to that's not going to help matters either. No, totally. And he's probably the second best player in this game behind Aaron Donald, neither of which two guys are with either of their teams which is another discussion for another day. That's something that we're going to have to see play out. So on this game, I have the Rams winning. I think it will be a somewhat close game. I think it'll be a, it'll be an intense game. I could see this being a moral victory for the Raiders. If the Rams win, assuming it's not a blowout, you got them winning as well. Correct. But I think you're feeling a little better than me. (laughs) So, I, I pretty much put out there, you know, kind of my biggest cause for concern. A lot of people might be thinking maybe we should push the panic button. Not quite. So while there are some questions that need to be answered, certainly, I do think in the end this is going to be a statement game for the Rams. I really do. I think they are going to come out. They're going to um, they're going to be looking for a victory and they're going to be looking to win big time. Now, I don't know if I call it a blowout per se. But I wouldn't call it a close game either. Like I'm thinking around like the 35 to 14 range. Like I, I'm really that confident, especially if you know you have Goff that is improving on the off off season. Maybe have, developing a sort of chemistry with Cooks. I think th- this is going to be a, a scary offense, and I don't think the NFL is even aware of it just yet. So I, I'd be on the lookout for this being a statement game, and like I said, maybe not a blowout, perhaps. Um, just depending on how the rest of the offseason plays out, injuries still happen. They, they're still a part of the game, so uh, things can change on a dime. So if everything stays as is and we continue to progress, I, I see this as a big statement again for the Rams. Yeah, you certainly hope so. And one of our five primetime games, which is just incredible to say after years of having zero. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we both got them winning. Our next game as the start of a three-game homestand, which is pretty crazy this early in the season, is Arizona, who went 8-8 eight and eight last year. Now, we have to play this team twice, so we don't have to touch on everything about Arizona yet. But my biggest question is, which quarterback are we going to be facing? You think it's Sam Bradford or you think it's Josh Rosen? Good question. Ideally, if you're in in the seat right now, if you're – if you're really thinking who should be the starter right now, I would say Bradford just because they paid him. I mean, albeit it was a one-year contract, they paid him good money. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was like a $10 million contract, Might have something more, like that. But it was definitely good money. Yeah, I mean, even if it was $10 million, it might be more. That That's still a hefty contract even for it being just one year. So ideally, you're spending that kind of money. You want to be able to capitalize on that, you know, investment. But at the same time, you still have a young quarterback that you hope someday will be your franchise player and Josh Rosen. I don't know if Rosen is going to be that guy, but at some point you got to be looking at Rosen to becoming the starter. And who knows, maybe Bradford will trip over a pebble and, you know, tear his ACL. But you <laughs> oh, come on. I had to throw that in there, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let Sammy live. By the way, it's a one-year, $20 million contract with 15 guaranteed. So, Well, 
crazy. Yeah, I don't think they signed him expecting to get Rosen, but here they are. You don't pass up on that guy when they got him if you like him, even if you're paying Bradford on a one-year deal. But I do think there's no reason to rush Rosen in. He might be a little NFL ready, but I do think Bradford starts the season, uh, as much as I do hate to say because I like Bradford, the injuries are always a risk. And quite frankly, in week two, I'm not that worried about facing either of these guys. Um, later in the season, it might be more of a worry, depending on how Arizona comes out. Because they are an interesting team, and I think I think we could save the coaching stuff for the next time we touch on this. But the big player here, uh, the obvious player of interest to me, is David Johnson. This is a guy who is just an incredible football player. He was the number one prospect in fantasy leagues last year. Injured week one, broken wrist. They said he might come back. He didn't. He's been fully clear to play for a while, so the injuries shouldn't affect him too much. But like we just mentioned, new coach, new offensive coordinator, new offensive system, new quarterback. This is completely different territory for David Johnson. Now, I'm expecting, still expecting big things. I'm really high on Johnson. I have, if I'm playing fantasy, honestly, I'm fine taking him number one. I won't because I'll probably take him girly and I'd have Bell over him as well. But this is a guy who's in the discussion for the top pick after missing a full year, and I think it's with good reason. When when I watch this guy play, he's he, he's like mind blowingly good for a guy that wasn't a high recruit. Are are you worried about David Johnson at all, or and are you scared to play him right now? If I am a fantasy football owner and I have the first pick, I would pass on David Johnson. Uh, if I have the second or third pick, I'd probably pass as well. Fourth pick, maybe. Yeah, but, I think that's fair. But in, in terms of real life here, if, I, if I'm the Cardinals, I, I'm not too concerned. Yeah, it's a new system. You have new coaches. And that, that does come along with progress and developing chemistry. And I do think there might be some you know, hitches here and there where he, he's going to have to adjust. But at the same time, he's just so damn gifted. Like, there there's really nothing he can't do. The, his biggest problem is nothing on the field. It's can he stay on the field? That is his biggest weakness at this point. And if that's your biggest weakness, I ain't worried about that. Um, and as far as the Rams are concerned, that's definitely something to be worried about. I'm not worried about the passing offense at all. You still have to watch over that old man, Larry Fitzgerald. But at the same time, with the secondary improving, am I all that concerned? Not necessarily. So am I wor- worried about David Johnson? He needs to be the focal point of this game, without a doubt. Absolutely. And on my, are we worried about this scale? <laughs> I have this game 15th out of 16. So, But I will say, I am a little worried about David Johnson because our linebackers are the clear weak link on a loaded defense. And I think the secondary will handle business against the receivers. I think the pass rush will be good. But the linebackers are mostly going to be the ones in charge of David Johnson outside of right up the middle if the defensive line makes an impact, which with the big bodies up front, I'm sure they will. They're going to be the guys covering Johnson in the passing game. They're going to be the guys handling Johnson if he gets past the the line of scrimmage. And I don't feel great about that because he is – he, I think personally, just purely talent, he might be the best running back in the NFL. Now, it feels a little sacrilegious to say that because we have our man Todd Gurley, but 
Johnson is incredible and he's big. He's bigger than Gurley and I and he can do a lot of the same stuff Gurley does except hurdling people as well. I'm going to give that to our man Todd. But while I am worried about him, I'm not worried about the offense having a great game. And what really just stands out to me is either this Rams team is going to be rolling after a statement win in Oakland or they're going to be playing in a must-win game after a loss in Oakland. And in both of these scenarios, I I just can't imagine they lose this game. What do you think? If the Rams lose this game, it's going to be a very long season. No doubt about it. But I do think that this game might even be closer than the game in Oakland just because of Johnson. I do think he's going to have that big of an effect. On top of that, I I think it's going to be like a high-scoring showdown. Kind of like the the first game against the, the 49ers last season. Yeah, I think it might be that close and that scary. But I think in the end, the Rams just are too talented overall, and they might pull out with a win. I, I think this is going to be another game where the offense really shines because defensively, I'm really not that concerned about the Cardinals. Yeah, I'm with you. I could definitely see this being a little 49ers-like, and if we lose this game... The content we're going to be putting out is not fun. But we will return to the Cardinals in the coming weeks, and we'll touch on some of the other stuff they did. But right now, we're sitting in our places with the AC off. I don't even have it. It's really hot. And I would love to be by a pool right now. Well, for you people lucky enough to have a pool, or if you want a pool in the L.A. area, you got to check out Jayhawk Pool Plastering and Remodeling at 4780 East Wesley Avenue in Anaheim, California. This is the place you want to go to remodel, resurface, or even put in a new pool. Jayhawk Pool Plastering and Remodeling services Orange County in the Southland and are run by Jayhawk, the eldest son of former Ram John Hawk. He built this business on the mantra of fantastic results and amazing customer service. Just head over to jayhawkpools.com and take a look at their work. You can see the quality in their finishes and in the testimonies provided by past customers. If you're looking to remodel, resurface, or even put in a new pool, Give Jayhawk a call at 714-695-0700. Again, that's 714-695-0700. You can email them at info at jayhawkpools.com. That's J the letter H-O-C-K pools.com. Folks, this is a great opportunity to support our podcast and help fellow members of the Ramley. If you live out in the area, give Jayhawk Pool and Plastering a call. You definitely will not regret it. I know I wouldn't because I wish I was in a pool right now doing this podcast. Instead, I'm sweating, and I'm about to talk about the lesser team in Los Angeles, the not San Diego Chargers, a team that every year I kind of buy into, and they always let me down at the beginning of the season, and then they turn it around for a late playoff push that always ultimately fails. But here we are. We got on week three, which is good for us because they won't be in late season form yet. Now, this could be called the Battle of L.A., it's kind of not, and just for the sake, Rams fans in the area, Johnny, you too, please just go to this game, wear your Rams gear, just assert our dominance. I know, I'm know i not worried about Chargers fans going to this game, but I just want this stadium to be filled and everybody wearing Rams colors just to kind of stand out. Now, the Chargers, every year we kind of are asking the same question, do you believe in them? There are Charger fans out there? <laughs> that is the question of the day. I, I didn't think they existed, man. Honestly, joking aside, though, I I'm sorry. I'm kind of like you. I don't see them as a Los Angeles team. I know this is gonna be the team that we're gonna be sharing a stadium with. You know, when our, our stadiums, yeah, our roomies. 
but they're going to be like the roomies that we bully and, you know, we lock them out of the room and we, we lock them out with just the towel and they're going to end up dropping the towel and showing their little manhood. <laughs> In the end, I just don't know if, if the Chargers can really be taken seriously as a battle for L.A. standpoint. As a team, I will say that they are underrated to an extent, but you're right also in the sense where this is a team that you know starts off hot and and at some point they they look like they're going to start to work on a consistent basis and then they just slowly slowly off themselves they just really do not work that well in the end and that's why they don't really make much of an impact in the playoffs or anywhere else really so <laughs> It is. Is it a concern? Uh, I don't think so, honestly. Yeah, I've always had a soft spot for the Chargers. I feel like I've always liked their play, player-wise. They've always had fun guys. You know, LT, Darren Sproles, Antonio Gates and Rivers are still there. Even Drew Brees back in the day. But they kind of just are a perpetual letdown. It, and I would be more worried about the battle for LA if we weren't so good last year because – it's kind of turning into the Lakers versus the Clippers when it, if the Chargers are kind of like the Chris Paul Clippers. And the Rams for a while were like the pre-Chris Paul Clippers for about a decade of just perpetual letdown after just disappointment, disappointment, but the point where there was just no hope, which is what the Clippers were for like 30 years. No offense to our Clipper fans. I actually like what you guys have been doing. Anyways, yeah. But I do think the Chargers have a lot of talent. I do – they have players. You kind of know what you're going to get. You know Rivers is going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Uh, you know Melvin Gordon, while I don't think he's the best running back, he's going to get the job done. You know Keenan Allen I think is a stud. Joey Bosa on the defense side of the ball is a stud. This is the same Joey Bosa that was ranked one spot ahead of Jared Goff in the NFL ranks, which I personally think is hilarious. But I, I do think they're going to be good, but I, they're never good at this time of year. And this is the time of year to get them. Now, for the player of interest, that like I said, you kind of know what you're going to get from all these guys. So I don't even know if who your player interest. Mine is Mike Williams, who was a first round pick last year by the Chargers, wide receiver. First round picks for wide receivers in the last couple years have been pretty horrible. And if you don't believe me, just look at some of the guys that have been picked. Laquan Treadwell's buried on the depth chart. It, John Ross looks like he might not even be on the team. Uh, that's not true, but not really going to be an impact player. The guy was taken around eight. Mike Williams, I liked coming out of Clemson. I think he has a lot of promise, and if he could become what he was drafted to become, that receiving core becomes really good with him and Keenan Allen and an aging Antonio Gates along with a up-and-coming Hunter Henry, who's a good player. I... I'm interested to see what he has. He's a guy I'm going to be taking flyers on in fantasy leagues because Lord knows he's not getting drafted very high. Johnny, who's your player to watch in, in L.A., not our L.A.? You mean San Diego? <laughs> yeah, who's your player to watch in the San Diego Chargers? <laughs> well, this this is kind of tough because this is where it comes in where the Chargers are not as bad of a team as people really point them out to be. I know I kind of joke about them, and it's mainly everything. 
but at the same time, they do have key players. And you mentioned quite a few of them, uh, one of them being Keenan Allen. And honestly, the, he's, he's the guy to watch out for for me. I, I know it's kind of an obvious pick, but he is quite a threat, especially when he's healthy. And God, man, I wish I wish the Rams selected Keenan Allen to be on our team because he, he's proven when he's healthy, he can be one of the most threatening wide receivers in the league. And then um, if I had to choose a close second, obviously that'd be Melvin Gordon. I don't know if I'm as you know concerned about him as previous running backs like uh, David Johnson or you know someone to that extent, but at at this point it is a bit of a concern going in um, as well because of you know as we mentioned the linebackers being the weak point of the defense. Yeah, I mean either one of these guys are someone to watch watch out for, and you know maybe Mike Williams will turn out to be. Uh, someone to look out for too but to me those are the two biggest uh, impact players that I, I i would look out for yeah man as a keenan allen lifer uh it was a good year last year you know i loved him after his rookie year very high on him feel like i own him in a fantasy league every year he had a letdown on the field in 2014 he had a letdown with the injuries in 2015 2016 was just sad going down first game of the season he looked good before that even last year, for the first part of the year, it wasn't great. He had a very pretty long stretch of just no production and then just came out swinging as the, play- as the playoffs neared and the late season push in typical Chargers fashion. You know this guy's a Charger when he's only going off in the second half of the season. Won a lot of people their fantasy championships, I'm sure. Uh, I I love Keenan Allen, man. I'm, I'm, I've always loved him, and I would have wished he was on the Rams. On my Are We Worried Index, the Chargers came in 12 out of 16, and they're a team I like, and if I didn't like them, honestly, I probably would have had them lower, because this is a home game in the middle of a homestand in a game that I think the Rams are going to want to win, because they know they need to assert their dominance in LA, like you said, they're they're the alpha in the room, the, they're going to mark their territory quickly to their new roommates, I think this is a win, I'm not ready to say it's not going to be a close game, but I don't expect this to be down to the wire. I'd like to say that this is going to be a thrashing, and to be honest, I I don't say see why you couldn't say it would it could be, but I do think that the Chargers are a good team, and I don't know if I'd quite say it's a thrashing, but I do think it's going to be a comfortable win, and I do think the defense, believe it or not, is going to lead the way, uh, particularly because. I don't really think that they stand a chance against the Rams' defense, especially with the defensive front. Yeah, and this is a game you'd like to see that defensive front wreak havoc because this is a talented offense as far as skill players-wise. And if if they could just not let them get anything, really, that would be a real statement for Donald and Sue and the gang. And it's something I would love to see. So, yeah, definitely hoping for a nice, solid win here in Week 3. Then it gets interesting. And this will be the last game we talk about today. Week four, we got a Thursday night game against the Minnesota Vikings who rode the Minneapolis Miracle into the NFC Championship last year. They went 13-3, second in the conference, were game short of a Super Bowl berth. And for them, we could start with my player of interest, and that's the obvious guy, Kirk Cousins, their new quarterback. He got a nice payday, albeit on a not a 
too much of a long-term deal. I know Derek is adamantly against this contract, but I'm fine with it. You got to pay for quarterbacks in this league. They're not tied up for too long with Cousins. I I, I personally think that people are going to be surprised with him. I think he's going to play very well. I I think he's going to definitely be an upgrade over our boy Case Keenum, who I love. But I mean, we know what Case is. Cousins, I think he's going to have his chip on his shoulder. He's going to have something to prove. He basically just got thrown out of Washington for a team that needed him really and just didn't want him. I mean, I'm I'm excited to see Cousins. I I think he's going to have a good year. How do you feel about him? Uh, this is what we're going to butt heads. Hey, Yay. that's the name of the show. Yay! Like we finally did it. Yay! <laughs> Kirk Cousins. I am not a huge fan of the guy. I personally think that he is overrated. I feel like he always he always has been. You think about when he started to shine, and it's when he took over for RG three. So you have Kirk Cousins stepping in to fill in for Case Keenum. Is he an upgrade? I I don't know if he is because from what I know about Kirk Cousins is this guy has a lot more upside than Keenum for sure. No doubt about it. But I also know that this guy, when when things go downhill for him, I mean, this guy really goes downhill. There's really no no worse quarterback in the league in my opinion, when he when things just aren't working for him. Well, first of all, second worst, because Eli Manning is still in the NFL. So continue. Okay. <laughs> Forgive me on that one. Good point. <laughs> Overall, I think this is going to be not the downfall, because that would be ridiculous, because I do think that the Vikings are going to still be a solid team. This is going to be a team that's going to make the playoffs for sure. It, I would be highly, highly surprised if this team does not make the playoffs. But I do think that this is going to be the reason why the Vikings don't make the Super Bowl. Because I felt that the Vikings were a true quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, so so you think they're going to regress a little bit, huh? A little bit. I'm not going to sit there and say that, you know, the Vikings are are going to be like 6-10. and 10. You know, no, no. It, it, a little bit. Cousins is still a decent quarterback. He's just not that great of one. I think he's overrated. Yeah, and I think if he struggles this year, people are going to start saying, maybe he can't do it without Sean McVay. Maybe Sean McVay is the quarterback guru. You see what he did with Goff? You see what he did with Cousins in Washington? Maybe Cousins needs him. And I think there is definitely a degree of truth to that statement. But I I think because of what we saw Minnesota get out of Case Keenum last year, what we saw them get out of Sam Bradford, I know it wasn't flashy, but... He set the record at the time for completion percentage, which we've watched Sam Pratford play. That's pretty fucking crazy. Uh, pardon my language. But um, I expect more from you than Cousins, I think. Uh, and it'll be interesting if he comes out and he's not great in their aggress. I wouldn't be floored, but I do think he's going to be an upgrade over Keenum. And I, I, I'm excited to see this Minnesota team because – they didn't change much, but like they really did, considering that they just switched the most important position on the field. So they worry me. And on my are we worried scale, I have this game number one. It's it's weird to put a home game at number one, but this is a team that flat out whooped our ass last year. I mean, that was just it wasn't even like 
we we just got dominated. There was at no point in that game, even for a game that wasn't a blowout, where I was like, I feel good about this comeback. They were just a better team in every aspect of the game, and with their biggest change being an upgrade at quarterback, with Dalvin Cook coming back, who is a very good player, albeit on a limited sample size, it'll be, I think, if he can stay healthy, which I feel like he will, this, this offense has to be better. The receivers, I think Stefan Diggs is only going to get better, even if I'm not too sold on how high his numbers are going to be. This game scares me. I think these are going to be two of the top teams in the conference, and ultimately I think this will be our first loss. Now, I, I think you feel differently about this, huh? Yes and no. Do I feel like this is going to be a very important game? Absolutely. I do think that this is going to be a close game, and this is going to be the true test of how good of a team that the Rams are. Like, I, I don't think there's any denying at this point that the the Vikings might be one of the toughest teams that the Rams play uh, in 2018. No doubt about it. But do I think that the Rams won't come out of week four with the victory? I'm going to say no. I think the Rams are going to win this game. I think the Rams are going to you know, show show the league that this is going to be a team to beat. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the Rams are going to go uh, 16-0 as much as I'd love to say that. But one thing I will say that the Rams are capable of doing is winning this team because last year, were the Rams beat by the Vikings? Absolutely. They they were dominated at some points in the game, but I will say that the Rams stood with them, and I do think the Rams are a much better team this year than they were last year, and I think it's going to show on the field uh, in week four. Uh, I, I'm going to say it's going to be a really close game, and whoever rushes home to watch the game on Thursday night is really going to be in for a treat because I see like a 27-24 to 24 victory in this case. I like it, man. I love the optimism. And I, this is definitely a winnable game. It's just because of just how bad the game was last year, I I can't bring myself to picking the Rams in this game. And what's fun is you just picked the Rams to be 4-0. And like for the first time in the history of our website, you're not being a homer. This is just things that can actually happen. It's, it's still mind-blowing. I know we say it all the time. It's just crazy that we're talking about a good team because we've been talking about a bad team for so long so in this minnesota game this is kind of going to be the statement and i'm glad it's kind of what we're closing the show on because there really is i think three scenarios that are the outcome of this game i think if we take care of business in the first three and we win this game we're going to be insufferable we're going to be four and oh we're going to be have beaten one of the best teams in the conference presumably assuming they're also off to a good start we're going to be very we're going to be riding our high horses everywhere if we lose this game and we still take care of the business in the first three weeks, it's, you know, it sucks, but it's on a short week. It's against a very good team. We're sitting there three and one. We're still feeling good. You know, that's this is how I look at it, how I think we're going to be. I'm not going to be happy that we lost to the Vikings if this is what happens, but as long as we're sitting there three and one, it's definitely not going to be something to worry about. You lose to a good team. Now, if we drop one or more of the first three games, and we lose to the Vikings in week four. We're going to be hearing Sozar. 
we're going to be hearing they shouldn't have traded for all these knuckleheads. We're going to be hearing uh, Jared Goff is, was a fluke. We're, we're going to be hearing everything, but I oh, yeah. I do not think that scenario is going to happen, and I do not want to live in a world where it does. Well, I'd like to point out, too, you know, anytime there's a loss, I, I kid you not, I see everywhere the sky is falling. And I, I remember even last year, you know, people were kind of laughing at my prediction because I was one of the few, you know, Norm was kind of there with me too, but I was one of the few that had them having a decent winning season and people laughed at me really hard. I, I remember one comment in particular saying, Johnny, keep your day job. And I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even joking. That was the, the exact quote. I was like, well, damn. You know, <laughs> that one kind of stung a little bit. But at the same time, I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm kind of good at this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's crazy. And look, I personally had a great year as a sports fan. I like the Sixers in the NBA. I like the Rams. Both teams surprised people, had insanely good seasons. And then and everyone was so optimistic about both of them. And they both had pretty soul-crushing playoff defeats. And then you forget that like how grumpy these fan bases are and everyone's saying we gotta we gotta bring in so much talent uh we guys was the season was a failure because of this loss and it's like dude we've been so bad for so long we come in we make the playoffs we have home games we host playoff series it's one it's a loss it sucks but it's nothing to be worried about and the crazy thing is in the rams case they kind of did do a light overhaul with bringing in so many big name talents on both sides of the ball. But yeah, I I don't think we're going to be in that scenario and you have them at 4 and 0, which I love that we can say that proudly because we've had so many years of not being able to say things like that. I have them 3 and 1, which would be the third straight year at 3 and 1 and this would probably be the most optimistic 3 and 1. Although last year was last year felt pretty good. But yeah, I mean I'm fine. With, I'm definitely fine with four and zero. I'm okay with three and one. Anything less than that, given the teams we're playing, Oakland, Arizona, and the Chargers. While I could see them all being solid teams, I can't really see any of them like getting first round buys. Uh, maybe one of them, maybe could host a playoff game. I don't think it's going to be Arizona. It could be Oakland or LA, given the divisions. But this first four games, this is a nice ease into the season i feel good about the first two games without jamon brown and i'm glad we're getting him back for minnesota and i think we could just about wrap it up on that you so i hope you enjoyed our first show we'll be back next week we'll be previewing the next four slated games some interesting games i i know i have a controversial take that people are not going to like about one of those games so that's a tease anyways don't forget to follow us on twitter at talk rams or on facebook at rams talk don't forget to join our Rams Talk Room. The Facebook algorithm is switched up. This is the easiest way you're going to be getting our content is by joining the Rams Talk Room. It'll be fed to you. If you need a link to it, hit us up on any of our social platforms. We'll be happy to link you to it and add you to the group. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Ribeiro. Uh, check out my pinned tweet for some fantasy articles I wrote. We got one about Todd Gurley. We got one about David Johnson. Johnny, where can the people follow you? People can follow me at Johnny5, not 6. Yeah, I, I need to start getting on my Twitter game. Um, yeah, I, I'm getting, I, I'm not too good at that, but I, I am, I, I am, I am promising that I will get on there at some point. Just, you know, life is, is pretty busy right now. And 
you know, I'll get there. Give so me time. If the moral of the story here is if you want to question Johnny's takes, head on over to the Rams talk room and criticize him because he will be there to answer you. And don't forget, give us some five stars on iTunes. Follow us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on or listen to us on IE Beat Radio. The times for that, again, Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. For Johnny Gomez, this is Steve Rivero. This is Butting Heads. We'll be back next week. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.